Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Wade In. I am back, back at the helm of the ship and I'm steering Kevin Blake and Tony Calvin. As always, we've got plenty to discuss from the weekend and a few issues to tackle as well. I'm in Newmarket, as are you, Kevin, but I'm in a more glamorous surrounding than you are. Yeah, speak for yourself. I thought, thought I left myself with loads of mystery here with my with my camera view. Whereas you're just showing it all off. I could be anywhere. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did you get a good view of Newmarket High Street last night? Yeah, uh, yeah I certainly got that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony, I if ever there's a day where I tune into a Zoom call and Tony Calvin hasn't got the background he's had for the last 800 episodes of any podcast recording, I'd be so upset. You're just the man that do you ever do you ever go anywhere else other than that room, Tony? No. 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 When I go anywhere else, I just don't do the program. Yeah. That's ah okay okay. The Tash is coming along well. Tash update. Are you please. Yeah, I might keep it. I'm going to go to the Tingle Creek on Saturday, so I might keep it there. I might keep it for the HWPA as well. Oh <laughs> bloody hell! Watch so out, I, world. So I can cushion the blows. I'm going to get the, the Tash will cushion the blows. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about uh, me being a room. Are you sitting on a toilet in the in your hotel room? Yeah, it does Not look a bit like that. Uh, me? No, yeah. Because yeah. no, I thought no. that's the basin towards the, you're right. I no, can see where yeah, you're coming it's, from, it's, TC. It's, it's, it, there, is a, there is a sink there, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and there's, there's a bed over there. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, you staying see, at again, the YMCA? I should be staying there with this tash, shouldn't I, really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Again, this is a good advert for why we've gone on to YouTube to see all these things. I've got the big dog next yeah, to me, brilliant. quite literally. <laughs> It's such a well-behaved great day. Good boy, Frodo. Good boy. Right. <laughs> Let's move straight on, guys. Uh, we have to kick things off with all things Constitution Hill. Essentially, in the fighting fifth, Kevin, let's start with you. Was this the best performance of a two-mile hurdler you've seen in recent years? Uh, it's probably up there, isn't it? You know, I'm cautious of kind of getting really effusive because, you know, loads of people can't. Can't, can't quite resist that temptation, I suppose, when things like this happen. But he was really good, in fairness. He was really good. Um, I'd say Epiton was ready to go. Um, looking at the TV shots, etc., like she looked great. And we, we speculated on racing only better, you know, that Nikki would have had the screws turned and have, have her really ready for this because it, it would have looked like a great opportunity for her to win her grade one, you know, prior to Constitution Hill getting rerouted here. And, and he was deadly. Like Nico didn't mess about, you know, the horses, the horse, he kind of, he made some of the running in his point to point when he got beaten, incidentally, but it, on the race course, he had made the running before, so it could hardly be considered ideal. Like he settled away, grand pricking his ears, etc. but it, it is a bit different. Um, yet he still, you know, jumped like a champion hurdle horse, you know, jumped slick and um, put away a, a former champion hurdle winner, multiple grade one winner. Um, like she wasn't a, a whole lot, you know, quick in the way and absolutely danced in. So in fairness, like this horse, every time he stepped on a race course, he's looked really exciting. Like he, he's ticked all the boxes along the way visually on the clock in sectional terms. Like everything that we could measure about him suggested he was one of the best ones we've seen for, for some time. And um, and yeah, this like I don't know if he had to reproduce even what he did in the supreme to do this like that supreme was otherworldly 
but um, great to see him back doing this. And yeah, look, I suppose Vanessa, it puts us counting down to inevitably to Cheltenham, I suppose, because it's hard to envisage him having a, a meaningful contest between now and then, bar they come to Ireland, which is a million to one. Um, but after, you know, 15 plus years of this division being a bit, I don't want to say rubbish because there's been some wonderful horses in that time. You know, your Fahines, your Hurricane Flies, your Honeysuckles, obviously, uh, and a couple of others. They've always kind of been by themselves. They've never had a, a real good one to, to pull the very best out of them. Um, you know, Hurricane Fly at the back end of his career, maybe. But this year we've got the the incumbent. We've got Honeysuckle, brilliant, unbeaten, um, largely untested. And we've got this fella who could be, you know, the best for, for decades um potentially um and we've, we've got statement who's who's who all of a sudden seems a small bit under the radar he, he himself put away Sharjah, who's a, a a very good hurdler himself he smashed him up last time and we've got um you know some of the i suppose you call them the x factors in voban who knows how good he is probably not this good uh, but we just we don't know yet and um and sir gerhard if he stays hurdling but it probably seems more and more likely he's going chasing now so all of a sudden the champion hurdle division is looking quite interesting vanessa um it would be very national hunt racing now if a few of these get set back so we don't get to see it Mark. don't but even it, say it, it. don't even it, say it, it, Kevin. it it would have you quietly whispering dreaming hoping that we might get to uh, whatever it is the second Tuesday of March, and all these horses might be bucking heads, which would be uh, which would be a, a very welcome spectacle. Now it gets you quite jiggy. Yeah, it really would. I mean, Tony, um, your reaction to the performance, followed by the question of is could Constitution Hill go off the shortest price favourite in the history of the race? Do you think? Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he gets there in one piece, then obviously he's, well, at the time of recording on Monday morning, he's on the exchange, he's 1.69. You'd think even if the field, full field get there, like of Vauban, State Man, um, Honeysuckle, if they'll get there, it'd be hard to think he'll be any any bigger than two to five on the day. Um, we know the course of going sure is properly watered, good to soft. Sometimes... On, sometimes they aim for good to soft on the opening day at Cheltenham, and sometimes they get it wrong. Um, it's normally on a, maybe sometimes on the quicker side of good, as it probably was when Constitution Hill uh, won the Supreme. But, you know, he's going to get his grounds. We know he handles the track. But, you know, there's nothing more to say about that. Everyone saw how good he was there. Everyone saw how good he was in the Supreme. I suppose, you know, we talk about ratings and time from 177. I think the official was 173. After five, after four or five starts, obviously that's you know that's you know that's colossal, isn't it? But you know, mark of greatness is versatility. You know, doing it at adversity, um, longevity. So he's got all, he's got questions to ask, but he's asked every single question that's been thrown at him so far. And you know, like I think everyone's a believer now, aren't they? Everyone's a believer. Everyone's a believer. And, look, and, and, and Vanessa, I'm, I'm just glad that they did the right thing and and waited the six months to put him into open company because, you know, if they had done that at Punchestown last April, like I, I think it could have ruined the horse myself. You know, it could have, could have ruined him. He clearly wasn't ready at that stage. The, the couple of months grass over the summer, that extra time, it, it made a big difference. I'd say Vanessa, he, he, yeah, I think they, they definitely did the right thing there. Definitely. 
I'm so sour about that. I'll, I'll never get over that. That could that could I, have been something. You're sick something as a dog. About that. I'll never get over that, Vanessa. No, I mean, bringing it up. You, six these, horses, later. These, horses don't, these horses don't come along very often. You know, that, and that's the one note of caution you might strike. <laughs> as brilliant as this horse is, you know, he's going to be ultra conservatively campaigned for the rest of his life, which is slightly. Um, which is which is you know if you, if you wanted to be picking, uh, we probably know. need to reach to pick at something here because it's very difficult to pick it. It's very difficult to pick at the horse himself, so we need to find something to pick at. <laughs> From my point of view, because I I was on um, a pre a Newbury preview panel on Friday night with Nikki Henderson and Ruby Walsh and Harry Deere, and we were talking obviously about fighting fifth the following day, and I asked. Ruby, like, what does this horse need to do to justify his price at the top of the market for the champion hurdle? This is on the Friday night. And he's like, well, you know, he can't, like, he can't really justify that price unless he does something absolutely out of the ordinary. And that performance really was just in terms of the way he jumped, the way he quickened, that injection of speed, everything about it was wow factor. And like Tony said, he's ticked every box so far and he's got a long, he's got a way to go because of all the factors Tony's mentioned in terms of being called one of the all time greats. But this is exactly what racing needs. Racing needs these sort of sort of champions to celebrate. And I personally feel like obviously, you know, the sway has been heavily towards Ireland in recent times with the best horses being over there. And now to have something like this, a real champion here in the UK to take on the champion hurdler and honeysuckle, it's racing's perfect opportunity, isn't it, Kevin, to yeah. really push this, to advertise the sport, to go big on this. Like these, we've we've witnessed that these occasions don't come round that often. So now is the time to say, come on, this is what we've got to show as a sport. And this is going to be really, really special. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I know Calvin loves it. This is a, the narrative here is, is absolutely fantastic, you know, because you have Honeysuckle who has, who uh, you, you felt last season, she kind of, she, she, she got bigger last season. Like in terms of being a public horse, you know, certainly in uh, on the Irish side of the water, you know, people really grabbed hold of her. Um, you, you I suppose this season you're, you're going to have the, the underlying um impact of of the tragedy that Henry de Bromhead and his family had a, a couple of months ago. Um, and look, she's unbeaten, dual champion hurdle winner, you know, horse of a lifetime. But yet we have the, this absolute monster coming up from England, um, that that you know by all measurables looks better than her already, and. I just hope we 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 get there with honeysuckle, yeah. um, because that's the, the the small little lingering bit of realism you have in your mind is is that to me, you know, I don't think she was as good last season as she had been the season before. Her connections have already said that look, this is going to be her last season racing, and if you know there's any any negativity, any setbacks in what we see from her, we'll probably just pull the plug. So you're just hoping that if she comes out of fairy house. And absolutely dances in, looking as good as ever, mm. um, and does does the same with Leopardstown in February, and we can and we can get this clash, you know, because look, Constitution Hill, regardless, of, oh, it's mad to say, but regardless of what Honeysuckle does, um, in, in a Hatton's Grace or an Irish Champion Hurdle, um, if Constitution Hill gets there, you know, he's a certainty to go off fab to beat her, which is mad, but that that just sums up what we're dealing with here with Constitution Hill. Like this is this is something a bit unusual. Um, yeah. but, but I hope we get the I hope we get the contest. I hope State Man's there in the mix as well. 
um, and hopefully a few others. But it, like you say, it, it is what national hunt racing really needs. Um, and now we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you'd, you'd probably say at this stage, despite um, Constitution Hill's background and everything else, he's probably heavy odds on to stay hurling for the rest of his life, isn't he? Unless yeah. he, he, he starts disappointing or doesn't look quite as good as he is at the minute. Um, like, like he looks really well equipped to be a two mile hurdler. And, you know, the, even though I, I heard, I, I read from Nikki yesterday saying, you know, you could jump fences with him tomorrow. Like, I suppose with, with, with the people that have him, you know, maybe disagree. I, I assume he, he'll say hurdling forever. Yeah. So uh, not, nothing, nothing wrong with that, but it would be, it would be fun to see a hurdler this good. You know, if he was to win a champion hurdle, maybe you win two to go chasing. It, it would be it would be pretty exciting too. But now we're just getting greedy, I suppose. Getting greedy, exactly. He's got to he's got to get to his first one to start with. Um, let's and, move and this on. Is, and this and I, I don't normally talk like that. Finesse. I hate getting ahead. I hate when people oh. get too far ahead of themselves. But Jesus, when horses are running numbers like this fella has the last twice in particular, like I don't think it's it, you're you're getting ahead of yourself to to be talking that way because he does no. look you know extra special. Constitution Hill, the horse that can get Kevin Blake a little bit excited. That's going some. Oof, uh, let's yeah. move on to Lahore Press. Bot, up at, yeah, <laughs> up at Newcastle, winning the rehearsal chase. Um, Tony, what were your thoughts on his performance? He's been cut to seven to one from ten to one for the Gold Cup after that victory, um, carrying top weight. And what what did you what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I thought he had a lot going against him on, on Saturday. Um, but yeah, he obviously you can't grab that. Initially, I thought it was, a, and obviously he won that off a mark of 164. Initially, I thought it was a bit of a, a true Shan Northumberland plate type performance, you know, really good on the figures, but maybe the substance wasn't there. But then you go and have a look at the race and, you know, the second was coming in, getting loads of weight, uh, going for a five-timer. Um, and you think, you know, Charlie George probably had a bit more left in the tank. He didn't really go for him at any real stage and had shades of brave man's game about it. That, and I didn't know how much he had left in the tank if it was needed. But yeah, I mean, it'd be churlish to kind of like uh, to grab that performance. Um, given that the, the the strength in depth in the Gold Cup and the King George markets isn't there at the moment, he's got to be a big player now. Reading between the lines. They might miss Kempton, uh, might be all ground dependent, but he'd probably be a good second favourite there uh, to Brave Man's game, um, you know, if he if he went to Kempton. But yeah, he's, I think, it's what you say, sevens for the Gold Cup, and or I think he's around about sixes on the exchange at the moment for for the King George. If he gets confirmed for Kempton, he's probably about a three to one, seven to two chance behind a, a nine to four Brave Man's game, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I said, that was a. I think he had a lot against him on Saturday and he did it well. And the more I looked at the depth of the race and the form of the race, uh, the more taken I was. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like it. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Lahore Press fan. I was all last season, but I couldn't help but feel, Kev, that like if if the those two races, the rehearsal chase and the Coral Gold Cup weren't on the same day, if they didn't clash and he had had to line up in the Coral Gold Cup, that would, you know, I, I feel like that was, I don't know, I, I don't like that race clash because I just think that that would have been a missed opportunity for a horse like him. You've got a question on that, funny enough. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, look, Vanessa, there's there's no place in national racing for that type of logic. 
you know, put 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 that away. We we don't need to be hearing such things because um, that that, <laughs> that makes that makes a little bit too much sense. I think you might be a, you might be a danger to the existing program, so don't be expressing thoughts like that anymore. Um, yeah, Law Press, he, he was very good. I, I wouldn't be getting look. Uh, you, know, you can put me on repeat here now, but we we, we have this thing in racing, especially national hunt racing, about you know horses carrying top weight in these big handicaps and you know in a case like Denman going back in in that period it really was notable it's not nearly as notable anymore um because look I've been kind of jibbing on about it for years but if you look at the 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 ratings in the horse population um the number of 140 plus um chasers has like doubled in in the last 10 years or that and the number of 170 plus 165 plus has stayed much the same there's been huge inflation and I, you know, I've been kind of saying for a long time that these good horses should just be having a crack in these handicap chases because they're just really well in. And, in, you know, the British handicapping team are trying to rectify it at the minute, very belatedly. Um, but I, I think it's, the progress is going to be quite slow on it. So um, these horses should be making hay while the sun shines. They have been in recent weeks, in fairness. So you know, while this was a very good performance and it, it'll, it'll register a good number, um, I just would be cautious of maybe getting too excited about it. Um, it would have been more notable in the in the Coral Gold Cup just because that was a deeper race. The reality is here, like that look at the horse he's beaten. A lot of these are they're just off inflated ratings there around the high 130s, 140s. Um lovely okay. horses that they are. It's not it's not their fault, but I just wouldn't be I wouldn't be putting this up as you know one of the one of the best handicap performances of recent seasons or anything like that. Um, it was well done to his connections for for, for doing it it's a sensible thing to do despite being perceived as a very punchy thing to do and um, it was great to see him back and, and performing like he did he's a lovely horse okay so a bit of a pin in the balloon for the home press from kevin there pop that goes <laughs> um tc talk to me about the gamble that was landed with lamillos in the coral gold cup big race at the weekend at newbury um what was it as much of a gamble as people are saying it was talk to me about his price uh, midweek to the off it was a well-backed, it was a well-backed horse, wasn't it? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a gamble as such, wasn't it? I mean, the exchange price didn't shift dramatically. Maybe, maybe a couple of points. Yeah, and obviously the the controversy only of the race obviously only panned out, you know, well after the event had mm. finished. But yeah, it was a good performance. A um, little bit disappointing. Remaster couldn't go through. Um, couldn't go through with his effort there. Looked the likely winner, but just didn't pick up as expected. Um, I'm not sure about the strength of the race. I mean, I think everyone was a, a one going into the race saying it wasn't a vintage Coral Gold Cup, um, you know, and it wouldn't look massively out of place on a on a Good Friday card somewhere, wasn't it? It was. It, I don't think the race is going to really pan out uh, as it has done in previous years. I mean, the likes of Corris Rambler obviously ran an eye catcher in fourth, and uh, and other horses, you know, maybe caught the eye there. But yeah, I mean. As a as a race going forwards, um, I, no, I we wouldn't really rank higher my uh, horses to follow this. Not that I do them. Okay, okay. So not much depth to the race. Uh, Kev, a would you echo those thoughts? And B, like I always find it so awkward. I'm just going to put it out there on the podcast now, so I'm actually making it more awkward. But. Oh. You know this whole. You know when I, I don't know what the situation was between the stable switch from Tim Bourne's to Dan Skelton's. So and obviously he's now two from two for 
the skeleton, the Milos, having had a perfectly good enough time of it for Tim Vaughan. So again, we don't know the circumstance of the stable switch. But when you see a horse that sort of then seems to pull out this level of improvement off a break, off a trainer switch, I just find that so, must be so gut-wrenching for the previous trainer. It just must be. Yeah, massively so. And like, look, sometimes, you know, sometimes there aren't kind of, how would you call it, kind of, explainable reasons outside of what you might think um but but other times look that there and i'm not saying that's the case here but look there there are levels to everything and sometimes some some trainers are just better than others uh, and dan skeleton is, is a very very good trainer and he's shown us you know get picking up horses motor trainers over the course of many years that he's well able to do this mm. um and look so and and sometimes it's not so much sometimes it's not always just better sometimes it's just different you know, a trainer does something different than the previous trainer um, doesn't do, and it just happens to suit that particular horse really well and pulls improvement from them. Sometimes it's, it's just the simple fact that it's a change of scenery. The horse needed something different. Um, but oh, there you go. It's tough. It'll be very tough for Tim Vaughan, um, who I, I'd have nothing against as a trainer, but um, th- this is sort of a, a trainer's nightmare, you know, in many yeah. ways. So there's, there's plenty of trainers um, under both codes that... Like are, uh, and it's to their cost. They're extremely slow to sell horses, to move them on because of the fear of something like this happening. And, and I think it's honestly the biggest mistake trainers can make is being too resistant to moving horses on and, and churning them for fear of them doing well elsewhere. Because you just end up with it with a yard full of exposed yokes that might, you know, you might do well to win one a year, one a season with. Um, you know, I, I know I, talking to. You know, plenty of trainers and dealing with plenty of trainers over the years. Like, I, I it's something like again, put it on repeat. Like, you have to churn the horses, you know, get them in, mm. get, get do the best you can with them over the course of a season or two, and then move them on, get a new one in. Because if they're, if they're not going to be a star, they're keeping up, they're, they're taking up a stable of one that could be a star. Yeah. Yeah. It's the sort of harsh realities of the game. But I just always do feel, I, having said all of that going full circle, I do end up feeling terribly sorry for the people who've let a course go, especially in a situation sure, like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's rattle through a few of the others. Quick mention to the likes of, we'll start with Lucia TC. You can have her. She's now unbeaten. And obviously she's really thrown in the deep end and listed level on her um, first time out this season. She's now fours from sevens for the Mayor's Novices Hurdle. Were you taken with her performance? Yeah, massively. Uh, oh, not, oh, not enough really to good. be backing her for a race, you know, in March. But, yeah, I mean, obviously devastatingly impressing. A bumper on heavy ground at Sandown, come up on much different ground, first time out over hurdles. And, yeah, she just tanked through the race, didn't she? And, you know, I know the runner-up, she's a Saints only rated 119 and got being at fours on on a previous start. but. You know, she toyed with that rival, and apparently that apparently the seconds were regarded actually regarded much better than she showed previously. But yeah, uh, massively taken by that performance. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with her next, and I think uh, there was some talk about you know she was going to be pitched in against the boys somewhere. But yeah, um, with that, if she does do that with with a sex allowance, she's a massive player. Yeah, I was I was very very impressed. Very taken with Lucia. Um... McFabulous won a very tactical John Frank of Novices chase, small field Kev, um, but backed up his previous chase win and is now 14 some 33s for the Brown Advisory. I, I wouldn't be, have any interest in him for 
at that sort at that price at any price for a race like the Brown Advisory. But um, it was a sort of okay performance on the day. As I said, I thought it was a bit tactical, bit of a nothingness race. Yeah, I, look, he did. I wouldn't knock. Wouldn't like to knock what he did too much, but it's more so what the others did. You know, we we know all about Time Hill as a hurdler. You know, a top class horse, but chasing. You know, it, it's it's this this slightly exposed him a little bit his jumping just wasn't good enough um hopefully it'll it'll improve with experience but i don't know he was a leg he was a, a relatively somewhat late comer to it and um you you wouldn't be thrilled with this now and mcfabulous just just capitalized you know it's it's always tricky like that's the problem with these kind of small field uncompetitive races if you get the strong impression that, that one of the big guns hasn't done their thing you know, it's difficult to put your finger on what the one that has done their thing has, has actually achieved. And that, that'd be the case with Mike Fabulous here. But um, it's great to see him back on track now because, you know, you'll remember early in his hurling career, like he looked like he could be, um, you know, very, very good. And he just ended up having a bit of a wobble um, and ended up looking like we might have seen the, the peak of him. But um, chasing seems to be suiting him just fine, even after kind of a wobbly start of his own. But um, his last two have been have been much better. Um, and like you say, though, like deeper waters await. Um, how well will he swim against the best? You know, staying novices around. Um, it'll be a question mark. But look, he's a talented horse. I don't think he's going to end up being one of the best around. But I think there there's more novice chases to be won with him this season. Certainly in the next um in the next six weeks. Um, ideally, if if Paul can keep him rolling, which I'm sure he will. I'd, I'd be more positive about many people. I mean, racing yeah. TV. I think it was. I think it was Nick Luck and Jonathan Neeson just took the piss out of somebody's quote as sevens for the Brown Advisory. Uh, they didn't. They weren't brave enough to actually say the firm. It was Unibet. The Unibet, you know, they they stuck to their guns and now eights. Now, I was. I thought, you know, everyone was looking at it, thinking, oh, didn't beat much time hill. You know, really, really good staying hurdler. Didn't hasn't really taken defences, but I, I was I was really impressed by the way he just travelled and jumped there, and I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be as dismissive of him uh, as most. Now, he's 14 for the Brown Advisory, and, and everyone knows he hasn't run up to expectations at Cheltenham before. You know, I think he got stuffed in the Cleve hurdle last time we ran at Cheltenham. But I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't back him for the free miler. But I mean, I think he'd be a player in the Turners if they went to Cheltenham. Now, they might just, it, it, this is, strikes me as the kind of horse that Nichols might just bypass Cheltenham and go straight to Aintree with. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be as ridiculing the performance or dismissing the performance as much as some people did. Oh, okay, split opinion then, because I was sort of in the dismissive camp. Um, if I mention that race as being a bit of a nothingness race, which the boys have put me in my place about now anyway, the race that wasn't a nothingness race was the long distance hurdle at Newbury, Champ and Paisley Park putting up a terrific performance from the old guard in the closing stages am i reading this right paisley park hit a low of 1.08 in running tc is that right yeah i mean obviously you, you do get that when you when the camera angles are, are different and they're racing away from each other um you, you do get that occasionally don't you um but yeah i mean it was a, it was a cracking race um what relevance it has going forwards in that staying hurdle division i'm not so sure but then again that staying hurdle division is is pretty weak outside of flooring Porto, and you've got the likes of Blazing Carl, you know, coming through. But we're not going to see him, and he's the second favourite for the race. We're not going to see him until you know after Christmas. Uh, yeah, so yeah, a brilliant race. Everyone was raving about it. Yeah, it's 
look, it is what it is. Kind of won those races to enjoy for what it was. Like you say, I'm not sure what the form will be going forwards. Kev, would you agree with that? But just for what it was, it was a terrific race from the two of them. Great training performance from both Nikki Henson and Emma Lavelle to get those horses to come back and do that on their reappearances and have them pretty sharp and ready to go, I would imagine. Yeah, look, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was a bit like the the, the trilling Manila, you know, Ali Fraser. They're probably both a little bit past their best at the time, a little bit older, but uh, they combined to, to put together something really, really special. And uh, and this was a great race to watch because Champ, like in fairness to him, um, he looked in great order. He did his thing out in front uh, and he looked like he might have the race wrapped up. But then when you spotted Paisley Park kind of going through the gears and behind him, and we all know about Paisley Park and what he can do in the closing stages, you just knew he was coming. And uh, they, they combined for, it was, it was just a really good contest. You know, both of them did their thing. Um, and look, will, will this translate to the, 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 you know, the top of the division by the end of the season? you have to be sceptical. We know both of them are top-class performers at their very best, but will, will they be able to carry through into their 11th year? Um, it would have to be a, a wee question mark. Um, but they, they would, you know, we can, we, can, we can enjoy this for the moment. Like this, was a, this was a great horse race, two smashing horses that we know loads about. And uh, great to see them both in, in great order um, and competing so strongly there at, at their ages. Yeah, uh, a couple of other horses just to tick off before we move on. I should have said when we were talking about the Milos, we are obviously going to discuss the um, surrounding for all with the whip and the ban and the fine for Harry Skelton, et cetera, et cetera. But we're going to cover that uh, in our question section of the show. So just a few other performances to talk about, to reference anyway. Um, TC Jet Powered, another one of Henderson's at Newbury. Big hype horse before making his hurdling debut. And he's now sixes from 12s for the Supreme and tens from 20s from the ba- for the Ballymore. Um, was that the performance that you were expecting from him? Um, there were some mixed messages coming out of the yard for that. I mean, apparently all the lads were absolutely raving about him, but some of the others weren't, weren't absolutely sold on uh, on the talent there, uh, all the readiness of the horse as well. But yeah, I mean, the way he travelled through the race and put to bed, uh, put to bed another promising um, newcomer was was highly impressive, wasn't it? You know, mm. I think there's a there's a certain amount of you know, Nicky Henderson introduced the likes of Bouverdere and John Bond in that race, and I think that might be a bit factored into the price because it was only a maiden hurdle after all, but. Got a big price tag and beat a horse in second who had a, another 310 grand price tag attack blue. So, yeah, I mean, you have to be massively impressed by that. But, you know, as, as regards to Supreme, you know, if you want to take six to one about that for Cheltenham in March, then you, you crack on. I quite liked him as well. Um, okay. I like this, like, like this jumping. Um, he, he was athletic. He was kind of clever when he needed to be, clever enough when he needed to be. A uh, little bit, little bit out to his right, and got a bit more notably right late on. So that's just something to watch if he if he ends up going, um, if he if he ends up running on a tighter track or anything like that. See, but, see um, what it is. I mean, like I said, I, I don't pay much attention to jockeys, but horses like that who win easily, very much like Constitution Hill, Nico de Boinville style. I think makes them look really, really good, doesn't he? Because like, he's got relatively quiet style, isn't he? And if they just flow through the race and don't need to really pick up, then um, I think uh, the jockey accentuates what talent is there. 
interesting. Another little, little, little bit like David Maxwell. <laughs> Your favourite jockey. Um, Come on, Max. <laughs> another newcomer we saw this time in Ireland: Grange Clear West for and Navin for Paul Town and Willie Ta- um, Willie Town at Willie Mullins is his name. Um, who wants to take him? Yeah, I, TC, you wanted that uh, one, didn't you? I, I'm not. I wasn't watching racing TV uh, yesterday, right. but obviously the, the the performance was I thought was was usually taking. Um, he was obviously quoted at tens for the Ballymore and. I think Betfair have actually got in their five to one favourite for the Albert Bartlett, which uh, which just goes to show, doesn't it? When you, if you are betting for betting at Cheltenham, you know you're effectively having to back a double, wouldn't you? You've got to get the right race and, and back the right horse. But one thing that really took me about this race, and it's it's related to the Jet Power race, actually, a three hundred and fifty grand purchase beating a three hundred and ten grand purchase in the Maiden Hurl at Newbury. Mm-hmm. This must be a candidate. I've never known such a man of Big price horses outside the Cheltenham meeting. So I just read. I read my uh, notes here. Grangepier West was purchased for four hundred thirty grand. The runner-up two hundred twenty grand. The third Coup de Shaver three hundred seventy grand, and the fourth two hundred forty grand. So the first four home were collectively bought for one point two five million, and that is a a, a, a Navin maiden hurdle. I mean. It's look the money changing hands at the sales and privately. Well, at the sales, let alone privately, it's just off the scale. A Navin maiden hurdle, the first four home were bought for 1.25 million. I mean, it's, it's it is mad. Uh, it is mad. And the force, and the, the force that you mentioned there might trump card 230 grand. He made that as a store horse before he even had a saddle on his back. I mean, <laughs> it's like a, 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 the Oliver Sherwood uh, interview with the Racing Post. He, he mentioned that it's like some of the money that these horses are changing for. I mean, these trainers, you know, they must, they must employ hypnotists when they, when they, uh, when they go and sell these horses to, to, to own it. It's very good blackmailers or something. <laughs> it is it become almost numb to it because it's now obviously relatively routine for these point to pointers to make you know 200 300 400 grand um but uh, i i just can't because obviously my my bloodstock interests are more so on the flat like i just can't help but equate it like like me and vanessa here at newmarket are going to go into what what will probably be like a, a hugely record-breaking December bloodstock sale. Like if you went in with 300 grand up to Newmarket there up the road, like you could buy an awful lot of, of broodmare for 300 grand that, you know, you'd actually have a chance of making. A I was going to say, that's the, the thing is like, if you went up there and spent 300 grand, you're buying something that, you know, you more chance than not is going to make you some money over the next 10 years, you know, if you did like, it properly. Like, like if, you, if you wanted to buy something like young and fresh, like you, you could you go, certainly go up there and buy a stakes winner, you know, yeah. maybe a group three winner. You could certainly go up and buy like a group three producer, um, something like that. You, know, you, you could mad. buy an awful lot of broodmare for that money. Uh, it just, it, it bears no relation to reality um and look long may it last you know the fact that people are willing to to forego uh, reality <laughs> to this extent in the, in, in the hope of having um you know a, a real good jump horse like it's fabulous for the game is it realistically sustainable i don't know i hope it is um it's, but it is it is truly mad <laughs> properly it's quite, mental it's quite but I mean, i'm i'm a guest of chris Giles at tingle creek on, on saturday 
Um, obviously, hopefully he brings that with Grinity. And I bet he paid 305 grand for stay away fight. And I think that traded at three figures and looked like it was going to be beating a mile at Newbury before coming through and winning when Russian ruler kind of like emptied. And I, I said, I'm going to have a sit down with him. I just say, look, just what Nichols probably won't, won't thank me, but I'd like to know the logic going through these people. Apparently, he bought it at a London lunch um, <laughs> uh, with Nichols. <laughs> The uh, thing is, is generally just say, look, the horse is 305 grand, uh, metaphorically flush 285 grand down the toilet and, 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 and give me the rest. But it's um, it's a, it's a it's an amazing mindset. All these perhaps it, it's got plenty of money to spare. It doesn't really matter. But it, it's as, just bizarre. As Kev says, bears no relation to reality. Um, before we move on from racing review section um ryan moore's riding the Jap japan cup kevin it was widely applauded as one of the best people seem to have ever seen would you agree with that oh it was a, it was a fabulous ride you know it was, it was one of those that um you know the horse probably in real terms wasn't the best on the day and the ride that he was given probably you know was a big factor in him winning um because it was just so kind of ballsy and 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 saved as much as it could um god you, you have to be kind of envious of japanese top class japanese racing wouldn't you you know it's geez it's very it's very high quality and you know we'd seen some of those horses um in, in europe in the last while the eventual second sharar had, had finished behind the great state of rest the royal Ascot probably hadn't done it probably didn't show his, his best there but um it's it's so high level i think you know you, you know what you want You'd want even in, for those that are inclined towards campaigning their horses internationally. Like I think you'd have to be really punchy to go and try and win a Japan Cup because gee, like it's a huge field. It's ultra competitive. It's re it's really world class stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, I'd be I'd be full of admiration for for and the crowd and everything else. The betting turnover figures like it's just. It's it's streamland stuff. Very envious. Um, and yeah, well, well done to Ryan. I'm sure he he really soaks in these moments, doesn't he? And it really enjoys. Do <laughs> you remember oh. the famous? The yeah. famous you're full of you're, you're full of sarcasm the, today, Kevin. Full I'm, of I'm, the sarcastic salad. I'm, I'm, I'm in fantastic form, Vanessa. I get a bit sarcastic, but I'm in good form. But do you remember a few years ago he um he he won? God, it might have been the Japan Cup. He, he won a big race out there, and they they have quite um quite substantial post-race ceremony you know and uh he's he's trying obviously ryan he's trying to do the bare minimum and he's up on the podium and some poor fella goes to maybe stick a microphone under him or something and he literally runs away i know we have to move on but he was literally he had to run physically run and jump in the car and get a plane you're joking right well um, let's move on to question time because, of course, plenty of the questions that Tony got this week were all in and around Le Milos and the Coral Gold Cup and Harry Skelton, the ride that he gave the horse. Um, lots of people calling it out as a brilliant ride, but then subsequently Harry was suspended for seven days and fined £2,900 for using his whip above the permitted level after jumping from the second last onwards, essentially. And we've had a heap of questions on this, including from Charlie Crowsdale, The Casual Gambler, David Brown, Scott Proctor, Gary DC, Paul, uh, Rock Ridge, all of you have got in contact and all about a similar issue, but essentially just pulling out The Casual Gambler's question. Um, 
where do you stand on cheating to win races? Should the horse be disqualified if jockey uses whip that much? Is it unfair to in the second place considering the winning distance? Obviously, remastered didn't go past Lemilos, but you know his jockey didn't go over the permitted amount of strikes with the whip and he lost by what was it half a length or a length or whatever it was. Um, this has caused loads of controversy. And obviously it's also in light of the announcement that the new whip rules are going to come into play in the new year here in the UK. So basically whip is very high on the agenda as at the moment in British horse racing. Um, TC, I'll let you take this one first. Where do you stand on this? Uh, well, I think it's right. I mean, going forwards after the whip review, um, the result on the, the result on the day is going to stand for betting purposes, and I think that is the right call. I don't think it's clear cut, but you can't have a situation in a Grand National as we heard last, as we had last year, where I think he went over uh, Sam Riley Cohen went over by four strokes and would have been disqualified under the new rules that are coming in. You can't have a situation where you delay settlement while someone goes through. A, you know, a 40 runner race over 30 fences and counts all the strikes about all the jockeys. And you just, you can't have that. I mean, the, the gambling industry kind of like just thrives on the turnover, quick settlement, move on. So I think it's the right call. I don't think it's clear cut whatsoever. I think circumstances like this underline why it is a problem and why I think down the line, they're going to have to stiffen even stiffen further the penalties uh, and the fines involved now here i mean we don't know exactly how many he uh, um harry skelton went over because the stewards in their report didn't actually say they only just said right we he went over the he went over the limit we're giving him a 2900 pound fine we're giving him a seven day ban the one one the one thing that everyone wants to know is well why did you give him that fine why did you give him that ban how many strikes did he go over from the second half? They didn't even say that. Now, people are just surmising because of the, the nature of the ban and the fine that it was 11 times. Now, if you're telling me that the jockey went hit the horse 11 times in the second last and did that, uh, didn't do that willfully or knowingly, then it, it puts the sport in, in, in a very difficult situation. A lot of people were very disingenuous about this and saying, Oh, there was no Ferrari after the race. You know, punters weren't punters aren't, aren't you know were only up in arms you know after the event uh, where off they found out. But you know, that's the whole point. They didn't know at the time that the, the jockey on the winner, um, you know, broke the rules by presumably three strokes, which which is obviously a, a fair amount, especially in that kind of situation whereby everyone say I'll oh, remastered wouldn't have gone past in another mile. I mean, that kind of misses the point because maybe Lemilos wouldn't have been in front if he hadn't been hit, you know, 11 times from, from the second last. So, yeah, I mean, you've got, a, there was a lot of nonsense being talked about this yesterday. I mean, Simon Clare went on Sky Sports Racing and said he's never heard a punter complain about back in the second and, um, you know, the winners transfers for the rules. He's never heard a punter moan about in that situation, which is, well, I just don't believe it. I think it's a I think it's a total bullshit. But yeah, there is a problem. There is a problem in these kind of certain situations because if he had hit it 12 times from the second last, going forward from next uh, going forward from February, I think it is, or was it next month? Um February. that horse would have been disqualified a week later. And that's going to bring into focus punters being hard done by. But 
all in the mix. I think I think the, the new BHA whip rules about the winner keeping the race on the day for betting purposes is the right thing. I think it's quite marginal, though. It's not as clear-cut as many people make out. OK, well, Kev, obviously, I mean, Charlie Crowsdale's question here, is it right that Harry Skelton can deliberately break the whip rules and keep the race on Saturday with a few less cracks for the winner, remastered wins? As part of his question. The thing is, is as TC stated there, it's just so it's such a grey area because it's ifs and buts. Like we don't know. You you just simply cannot say that remastered would have won and Lamillos wouldn't have won. In my opinion, that word deliberately that Charlie uses there, Harry Skelton has written the finish as he feels fit in the moment. I'd say he has no, I mean, I don't believe that he had a comprehension that he's gone over this when he crossed the line. I'm sure he didn't think, oh Lord, I think I went over the whip. I think I've struck my horse with the whip too many times from the second last onwards because he's just ridden the horse underneath him in the moment. And the horse was constantly, um, you know, having a positive reaction when he tapped it behind the saddle. So I, I just don't feel like, I feel like it's so tricky to, to to say that Remastered should have got the race and the Milos shouldn't have. It's just such a grey area because you can't definitively say that one would have won if he hadn't gone over the strikes with the whip. And well, you can't, but you can make it very simple. Like you can make this very simple. You you have your rule, you enforce it properly. That it's very simple. Like like look look at my views on the whip are, are well well known at this stage. Like I don't particularly like the rules. Don't like the way they tackle it. But look, they've they've gone about it the way they have. But I just think that they've ended up being windy in terms of how that they've enforced it. You know they have this this they're now going to have this little grey area like you say between a whip breach and disqualification. I, I they're not going to do it for betting purposes. Like I think that's wrong. I, I disagree with TC. You know I think they should be sorting this out um, after the race. You know, and and it's not. You know, I know James Knight has been very vocal about this, and Simon Clare, and they must have had a big meeting in Carl about this. <laughs> but the, like, I don't think it's difficult to sort out. Jesus Christ, that's for you know for for betting purposes, whatever it is, the first two home, three home, four home, whatever your place terms are, it's not that difficult to establish if they're in the region of a breach. You know, Jesus, like we're all we're all we all read races. You know, just use your rewind button on your Sky Plus, and you'll soon sort out if you're in the neck of the woods of a breach, and then you look a bit closer. You know, this it isn't going to take long to sort out. And I think having maybe a minute or a two minutes of a delay before settling, I don't, to me, that's not an issue. I know churn is important, etc. But you know what's more important than churn? Fairness. You know, I so think just, just to clarify, really, would you, would you have been happy throwing that winner out on Saturday? Um, yeah. Because if he'd known he would have got thrown out for going over, he wouldn't have went over. You know, if the deterrent is established in the rules, he just wouldn't do it. Like you said, Vanessa, he was riding his horse. You know, you saw how much of a thrill it was for him afterwards. He just wasn't cognizant or caring of the of the whip rule. He was going to do what he needed to do to win. Call it win at mm-hmm. all costs, if you will. But that's what it was. Whereas yeah. the, jock in the, the jock in the second probably was cognizant of how many times did his horse, because he's, he's aware of the rule. And also, Vanessa, do you, do you really think he didn't know he went over in the heat of the moment? Because if that's no. true... He needs to change his mindset pretty damn quick, doesn't he? Well, he's he did gonna... if he didn't, but I say he just didn't care either way. You know, right. he was doing what he needed to do in his mind to get the very best out of his horse. 
um, which isn't the, like you say, requires a mindset change, you know, because like you say, whether you agree with the rules or not, like I'm a big believer, you have to enforce them, you have to enforce them fairly, and it has to be the same for everyone. And if you made it like to me, I'd, I'd put the, I'd put I'd raise the strike limit a little bit higher. But there's I'd leave no gray area. If you if you if you go ten, if you wanted to make that the number, if you hit them ten times, and you can't make a, a, a strong case that one or more were for corrective safety purposes, you're gone. And yeah. if you you're disqualified, and yeah, if but- you do that, no one's gonna no one's gonna hit them eight times. Never mind ten. It's yeah, just so, not so- gonna happen. And if you do, you know, give them a kick on the arse on the way out of the stewards' rooms, you're an idiot. I, no, I know we've got other questions to get to, so we can't really linger on this. But that's the whole point about the quickness and the speed of this, isn't it? I mean, if you have to go in and argue the case and say, "Well, actually, I went one over," but actually, at least one of those were for safety reasons, you're going to have a long dialogue, and mm. you know, you can't you can't. Indefinitely, kind of like hold a race. That, that's the only. The, the yeah, what you call the course again? You see, we, we do it. We do it already. When there's controversial interference cases, there's huge delays. And look, they're rare. But if you had disqualification for going over the, the limit, like I think it'd be exceptionally rare. Like like count and count them on one or two hands of the year. Genuinely, I just don't think it'll happen. Mm. And they're, they're terrified okay. to put in too strong a deterrent for fear. That it would be if that it'd be mayhem and horses getting disqualified all over the place. I really, really don't yeah. think it would happen. I'm not in big races. That, so that's imagine, that. imagine how much of an idiot you'd feel if you went over the limit in a, in a big one. Um, I, I just don't think it would happen. They'd be so terrified. I don't think they'd run their, they'd get, they'd get near the borderline of okay. going over. And I, I just think the way the BHA are going to enforce this, it's it's windy. It's going to, it's not going to deal with the controversies like we have with this um, appropriately. Um, I, I feel they need to be stronger. And if they're, you know, don't don't go halfway across the road, lads. Get, get, I'll go all the way if if you think that's the right way to go. Okay, well, we're going to have to move on because we've only got a little bit of time left and we've got some good questions, including from Gavin Hughes. This can come your way, TC. This is on racecourse prices. Uh, Gavin asks, racecourse admission prices. Musselburgh races on the 1st of January is £45 to get in. Absolute disgrace. How are crowds meant to recover and attendances in general grow when courses are only interested in rinsing every penny they can get out of you? Well, I mean, sorry, my re- my reaction having read that is 45 quid for a day out at multiple races on, on a bank holiday. Is that extortionate? Come racing in Ireland, lads. The prices are about a quarter of what they are in the UK. <laughs> you'll probably see even after you get your flights over you'll probably still be better <laughs> just just one thing I, I think 45 quid is punchy but i'm just going to read out um something i saw on twitter as well okay. um, about entry on saturday um i don't know if it's true or not but someone put it out there and they've given some details so i'll read it out real mickey taking by entry for next saturday normally beach your day is all one enclosure but this time it's 25 pound for grandstand and paddock but if you want the Queen Mother stand, it's £65 or £55 for a seat in the Princess Royal. Absolutely crazy, this. Now, if you are literally charging people up to 65 quid for Beach Your Day next Saturday, then do you deserve to get a, a full stand? Do you deserve to get, deserve to get half a stand? That sounds well, that's, that's an interesting punchy. question. That's, that's an interesting question. Would you rather everyone be charged 45 quid? Or you give people the option of paying 25 quid for a lesser enclosure and then pay a little bit more for a nicer enclosure. At least you're giving them an option for, for a lower yeah, cost for less, um, enclosure. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's the thing is that people want to go racing. You know, it's better to have a lesser option so that people can afford to go if they want to go. Ultimately, we need to open the doors up for everyone to be able to go racing at every level, really. And no, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against the tiered structure. Uh, but yeah. people, were, people were also kicking off about, in some places, playing 33 quid again at Newcastle on Saturday as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. And moaning about the, you know, the lack of people, a... Lack of a people, a big stat, a lack of a big TV in front of the stands of the first race, etc. So, yeah, courses can do better. Yes, people love to moan. Um, starter hey, slash God, ITV. God, God bless us. If it wasn't whatever, yeah. we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> uh, starter slash ITV shutting up. I didn't actually realize what this was about until I dived in a bit deeper. Uh, racing tips and Guinness sips, Guinness sips, sorry, Guinness sips. And Tom Yeomans have asked, um, Basically, the start of the Hennessy looked hard work. Did the starter just want his 15 seconds of fame or were the jockeys struggling to keep the lid on? Either way, would have loved to have had the audio to listen instead of the TV crew talking over it. And Tommy Omens' question is, can you tell the ITV crew to follow their Irish counterparts and shut up before the off? I'd have loved to have heard more of what the jockeys and starter were saying ahead of the Coral Gold Cup. I didn't realise that 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 you can hear that in Ireland, Kev. Can no, you? no, it's not. It's, it's not comparing like with like now because the the system, um, as far as or certainly used to be the case, I assume it still is that the the broadcasters aren't correct um, connected to the commentator on on, on two way talkback. So, you know, people say, oh, God, Jerry Hannon never talks before the races or they always, they always stonewall him in the Irish commentary box. They can't actually hear what the broadcasters are saying. And even if they could, they can't talk back to them. It's not connected up that way. So oh. that's why you, you, you can kind of get this long silence after after they throw to the commentary team and nothing said for, you know, until they jump off. That's the reason why. Whereas in the UK, um, they're often connected on a two way so they can have that chat. Um, but on, on the general point, um, you know, I'd agree. Like I, I'm a big, I'd be a big advocate for, for, you know, miking up jockeys and, and, you know, being able to get some of that audio through the broadcast. I think it would be quite, um, it'd be quite immersive. Uh, you'd probably well, it would, your, but your, it would also be risky. Machine very sharp. Yeah. Yeah. You need a bleep <laughs> machine. You, you, you can have a word with, you can have a word with the jockey and say, let's look, lads, you're on mics. If you, if you want to swear by all means, but you know, it's your, it's your funeral, you know, uh, yeah. I think it'd be quite, um, I, I think it'd be quite immersive, especially in a situation like that where tensions are getting a bit high. Yeah. Um, Paul and Keith Nicholson has asked about Constitution Hill. We've covered him. And Steve Hone has asked about Honeysuckle, but we've given the champion hurdlers plenty of time at the, um, already in this show. So we're going to move on to problems in the north. Mark Roundtree has asked, the fantastic headline day of racing at Newcastle on Saturday. The shortage of northern trained jumpers is becoming a real concern. Just four runners in the French foods, a novice hurdle for first, stayers. First. Sorry. Oh, I see. Um, owners have disappeared and not been replaced. This isn't a new phenomenon, though, is it? No, no, no. Look, there is a kind of a, um, a, a somewhat of a, of a geographical divide there, isn't there, in terms of strength? Uh, God, how do you fix it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Um, yeah. Some okay. areas are always going to be stronger than others. It's just, you know, the same in Ireland. There's no, you know, Sligo isn't a stronghold of, of, of training power in Ireland. Um, and yeah, you know. Um, race clashes. We've actually already covered this, but Burlington, Bertie and SD Racing Services have sent in questions essentially about the, he oh, I was going to call it the Hennessy, the Coral Gold Cup, 
and the rehearsal chase clashing. We've already touched upon that. And Kevin has obviously already voiced the fact that it's just shouldn't happen. But again, two different race course companies and et cetera, et cetera. Um, trends. Oh, Brian Gold has asked, please check if <laughs> please check if Kevin Blake is okay. Seems horse OKB. That's me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, basically their question is Brian Gould's taking the piss out of Kevin for Bustleton's 10-year trends because he's ah, a, seems you know, a, a brain, brain, lo- brain loves a trend. He loves a trend. Okay, well, he says, Bustleton uh, ran a fine race, but unlike himself, I'm not that keen to see floods of tears <laughs> coming from my favourite trends denier. Yeah, yeah, I don't think his age was the issue there. It's more so the fact that he got spoiled all the way by a yoke on his outside and a loose horse, but I thought he ran very well. Uh, he got shafted that by that, that loose horse. The horse. Yeah, I don't, don't think it was his age that stopped him, but uh, but there you go. Yeah, they pay out in the winners. Cheltenham's media, the media obsession with Cheltenham. Colmas asked, should Lydia slash Ruby and David Jennings pull the plug on their weekly Cheltenham shows? <laughs> Are they doing the sport a disservice with their early focus on the festival? Regards, Colm. Well, um, ideally not, please, Colm. Um, but... Yeah, they should be put in jail as well for crimes against national race. I won't take the piss out of Jennings for this, just publicly and privately, just having a joke. But actually, I... I only watched one road to Cheltenham the last couple of years. It was a couple of weeks ago with uh, Ruby, Davy, and uh, Lydia. Yeah, and, it, and it was and it was really, really good. And it wasn't. I know it's called the Road to Cheltenham, but it wasn't really Cheltenham focused. It was kind of like a review show. So I think sometimes the um, I, I you know I think Jennings' show is a bit too uh, betting forced, shall we say? But yeah, um, just because they're called the Road to Cheltenham doesn't mean it's all about. Cheltenham in March. I mean, I like I said, I only, yeah, I, I was, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I watched that one episode. Yeah, the, 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 it's a brilliant show, obviously, but they, they are very fortunate. I always find myself very envious because they obviously have the benefit of, of a huge amount of um, footage, footage to speak over and point to when doing their analysis. God, you'd love to have it in any on any show you're doing because it does. It does make it that bit easier to to illustrate your points and point to what you're talking about. Uh, so I, I find myself envious of that. But regardless, even if they didn't have footage, in fairness, it's it's an excellent show. One of one of the well, probably one of the, the very best ones, if not the best, in fairness to them. So yeah, it just enhances it. Um, David Bradshaw has asked TC, this is one for you. Other than thieving each way doubles on two nine to four shots, do the panel think multiples are a part of a sensible betting strategy? Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say so. It depends on your approach, doesn't it? Like if you if you think you're getting an edge and you can find a, a few of them in a day, like it makes perfect sense to to, to stick them in multiples and, and get the multiplier effect. Um, if you're if you're of a more uh, selective mindset, you know, it might be challenging to to get enough together to um to do things like that. But yeah, if that's your approach, uh, and, you and obviously the other thing is if you are getting an edge in multiples, it's the kind of thing that bookmakers don't like. So. Maybe bear that in mind as well. Uh, as, as he mentioned, we're at the each way night before. Okay. Okay. And then the last question goes to Glenn Little, but we really, this isn't one of those things that can be wrapped up quickly, but we'll give a mention to him. Um, he's asked thoughts on improving the racing experience for race goers. The paddock interviews and form summaries by on-track experts work, work well in Hong Kong and Singapore. 
would they work here? Also, maybe upgrading the race card to include articles, interviews and betting views. I mean, I think there's loads of uh, areas that could be improved from my point of view, Glenn, when it comes to race course experiences. And um, we're pretty slack compared to other countries, as you have signaled there. But yeah. and, um, and look, in, ter- in terms of Hong Kong, like they, you, you could pick out a million things in Hong Kong racing that, that's pretty much perfect in terms of how you'd love to do it. But, you know, the reality is they have two race meetings in a week in Hong Kong. You know, we have, we have you know, seven race meetings a day and it's all squeezed together. So you, ju- you just can't do it in the same detail, unfortunately. And, and as for dead, uh, deadline times for race cards would be would be very very tight as well. So we only obviously um well they got decks in Hong Kong are they three four days out are they? But um, obviously we're four day out decks here. It, yeah. it makes it makes the turnaround difficult. But yeah, they, they should they should have more paddock stuff. I mean, you, we'll go to Kemp to uh, go to Sandown on Saturday, and they'll they'll put uh, they'll put some stuff on uh, you know on the on the on the team on the course tv so yeah we should have more but people don't tend to pay much attention in this country i find yeah but even even you'd uh, like the paddock coverage in in hong kong tc because they, they've a lady there called jenny chapman and because there's racing on only twice a week you know she gets to see every runner for every race every week she knows exactly what's normal what's abnormal you know she can see their progress their physical progress and run to run she's really really good anyway but she gets to see everything so like it's really worth listening to. Like it's it's, it's the best you'd see anywhere in the world. And I'm saying there. Adele Mulrennan and Ken Peterson can be improved upon Kev. Okay, uh, let's Adele. move on. <laughs> let's move on. We're done. This show is ending here. I am calling it. Um, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> thank you very much for your contributions, Kevin there. and TC, <laughs> as always. And we are moving this show on. Um, thank you very much for listening. And do remember, please do gamble responsibly this week. And we'll be back on Thursday with racing only better ahead of a big weekend of action, including the Betfair Tingle Creek at Sandown. TC has already announced that he's there on the piss for the weekend. So <laughs> me too. Um, I'm there on Saturday. Hope oh, I'm Kevin you. as well. Ooh. Great. So yeah. this was just me that wasn't invited then. Once again, um, on that note, I'll be doing the best turned out all day. <laughs> Looking, right. hope it's, hope it, hope it's yeah, sunny it, go, go. no we're done we're ending yeah. here guys uh, as soon as you're finished no. to go check that dog's pulse he hasn't moved for an hour <laughs> goodbye good luck have a good week everyone stay tuned for Race Any Better on Thursday bye